Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're all getting ready for the season. Some of us have already been out poking around, learning something, I hope. Adventure, freedom, camaraderie, and great dog work. That's our goal and uh, looking forward to it. How about you? Well, I'm going to help you get ready in one or two ways this time around. Dug up all my notes on kind of public access strategies, tactics, and how to. I'll be going over those for you if you're looking for new places to go or more places to go. Should help a little bit. And then I think I'll make an annual tradition of this one. We'll finish up the podcast with my 10 essentials yours may differ a little bit but uh the things that you must carry with you every time you're out of sight of your hunting rig yeah it should be a good time and hopefully again a a value to you and your friends so if if you think it is please share it around and uh let's uh let's make sure everybody's safe and let's make sure everybody is enjoying themselves out there uh in addition we'll go back to that upland nation puzzler and the chance for you to win a prize it's all brought to you by roughland performance kennels happy jack dog care products here on south dakota the ringneck nation and dr tim's natural performance dog food getting right to it right after these two messages the first from sage and breaker gun care products crafted at the highest caliber gotta be good if it's named after two bird dogs what do you think sage and breaker are pretty good guys and uh so is fred bohm the owner of sage and breaker got some creative solutions to our commonest problems in the outdoor world gun cleaning gun lubricating gun care of all sorts whether it's equipment um, products to spray on or wipe on uh all the tools you need it's all right there learn more at sageandbreaker.com and my friends in Huron South Dakota invite you to go visit them get a free information packet at hunthuronsd.com full of all sorts of useful stuff including some discount coupons directories some public access maps and when you request that at hunthuronsd.com, you are entered to win, automatically entered to win, one of three hunting slash restaurant lodging packages. So uh, learn all you can at hunthuronsd.com. Good luck. Let's get to it. First off, thank you all for your kind comments on last podcast's Lewistown, Montana debrief. Yeah, love to share that kind of stuff with you. I'm glad you like my sharing it with you. I'll have more of those as we uh, get deep into the hunting season. In the meanwhile, some stuff that might help you in that regard. I'm going to uh, kind of outline, uh, kind of free associate a whole bunch of the stuff I've learned over the years, written about and then talked about with everybody. Most of it 
learned the hard way, that is, about public access and uh, how you can take better advantage of it or take advantage of it for the first time. So let's get rolling. My first bit of advice is uh, do your homework. It's a little late for a lot of this, but you can still do it on a day-to-day -day basis. Plan ahead, dig in. In the music business, we used to call it woodshedding. You would practice a lot, and uh, that would make you better at what you do. And in this case, it's finding places that hopefully have birds and hopefully are a little bit more accessible than some. It's a long trip, literally and figuratively, whether you're exploring plots, which is what they call it in North Dakota, Weehaw, which is what they call it in Kansas, and uh, there are all sorts of other acronyms for these public access programs, and there are millions of acres to explore in those programs. Almost every state has something. Many states have incredible numbers, and uh, that might be the best news in and of itself. You'll put in a lot of windshield time. You'll see more dusty back roads than a UPS driver. But out of all of that, filling the top end of the funnel, you'll probably find a few honey holes coming down and out the bottom skinny end of the funnel. It's a challenge, but it's worth it. Because uh, what else are you going to do? jockey for position at one of the other places that everybody knows about knock on doors until your knuckles bleed where nobody answers call and not get your phone calls answered break down and pay for a lease these are all tough ways to do it and uh, frankly Maybe not the best ways, considering how much is there. Let me give you a perfect example. Here on South Dakota, Beetle County alone, 142,000 acres of public access of one or the other types. That's just out there waiting for you, tied up with a big red bow, and you don't have to wait until Christmas morning for it. That's just one of the places. You take a look at any place you like to go, and you'll find something out there. And the key to this is, and I, I just want to motivate you a little bit with this one, the common thread woven among the varied, wonderful, and not so wonderful places, we paid for it already. Whether you bought a tag, a stamp, a license, a surcharge, it's your tax dollars, you made a donation on your license purchase, or a federal grant is funding it. Whatever it is, you and me, our money has already paid for that access. Take advantage of it. What better way to get your money's worth than to heal your dog out into the field with your shotgun at part, port arms in hopes of finding something to shoot at and hopefully nobody else doing the same thing. Now, granted, caveat, first of many, I'm sure, a lot of these places have been trashed. They've been overhunted, but man, I'll never forget. I was in Beetle County, in fact, went around to one of the closer places to town, and sure enough, the the little park designated parking area was just covered with bird feathers and guts, and a few cans and bottles and a paper bag and all these things. And I can guarantee you, next year that landowner said, "No, forget it. Not worth it." 
Those are the kind of places we want to avoid. The only way we can do that is to search out more and more. You have the power and the power comes from having options. Free agency is what we have and we use that strategically when we're looking at public access. Compile a big list of places to go and then go there because some of them are overgrazed, some are closed because they're flooded, some are just already crowded with other people. That's the price we pay. Among all those will be the occasional gemstone amongst the tailing piles. So earn your shots, pay for it with boot leather, windshield time, and a sweaty brow once you get there. So where do you start? Well, the equivalent of knocking on doors these days is online research, and I'll get down to the the basics of that in just a moment. But remember, there is usually a gatekeeper of some sort. It may be a bureaucrat. It may be the uh, coordinator for that state or that region. It may be a private landowner. It may be somebody at the Chamber of Commerce, but there's always somebody who's got the skinny on those kind of places. They could be very helpful or not. My experience with the folks who hold the keys to the kingdom, it runs hot and it runs cold. Could depend on what side of bed that person got up on today. But here's the power that you have. They work for you. Just remember that. Don't lord it over them and don't ever use the phrase that is almost a bad cliche now. Hey, I pay your salary. Well, in many cases that is true, but that ain't going to get you anywhere. Be diplomatic and see what happens when you attract flies with honey instead of vinegar. No one's ever going to give you the latitude and longitude for that sharp-tail covey or the name of the slough that has the wood ducks in it that you've been craving for your life list, but you may not even get your call returned, except once in a while you'll find somebody who's got something out there worth learning. So be circumspect, be humble, be patient, but remember these people do, in fact, in large part, work for us. Expect at least some courtesy, if nothing else. Now the information they get may resemble the steaming pile left by a male bovine, but once in a while, you'll hit the mother load too. Grain of salt. Did I mention grain of salt? <laughs> I'd bring a whole shaker with me if I were you. Yeah, sometimes, and I've had it happen. I've had it. I've had agency employees intentionally misdirect me. Maybe it's happened to you. So be careful about what you do with the information you get. As Ronald Reagan said so long ago, trust, but verify. Okay, so here's the skinny. <laughs> it's not a completely blank canvas when you open up your online or your paper map. Let's go back a few steps before we get to that point, but know in advance that there are things you can figure out. First thing I would recommend you do if you're new to this game, and it's to start, these are just some of the things that will help you in no particular order. Just Google, 
bird hunting in Montana or sharp tail hunting in South Dakota. See what comes up. You never know. You might find a magazine article. You might find a column. You might find a blog post, whatever it is. Plus, the state's agency will probably have some information. Yes, it'll all be helpful, some more helpful than others. Quite often, the best thing you could do is find one reference deep down in the 14th paragraph about a county or a national forest or a certain watershed. So start making notes. You know what I do? I split my screen. I got uh, Google on one side and I got a, uh, a Google map of the place on the other side. And when I see stuff in the articles, I'll find it on the map. And just take a look at that stuff, whether it's um, you know on the regular topographic map or it's on the satellite image, either one. But it starts getting you acquainted. In the old days, I used to say, hey, do this. Post a big map on the wall of your den, your uh, man cave or your office so that it's always familiar to you. You're learning something every time you take a gulp of coffee or you got a couple minutes between phone calls or you're taking a break. Poke around, learn the lay of the land and associate places with the information you find. All right, so you're starting to figure out where things are in the general area you wanna go. Still on Google or whatever your um, search engine preference is. Search for guides and outfitters in the area and open their websites. Again, <clears throat> do a little detective work, read between the lines. A pro guide, <clears throat> pardon me, or an outfitter is not going to tell you exactly where he goes. But a lot of these guys are working on public ground and paying a fee for it, but that ground is still open to you. Once in a while, there will be a reference that you can use if you're sussing out that stuff that isn't written down on their website. So take a look at that, and, and uh, it might pay off in the long run. Finally, go to the state's wildlife department website and see what they have to say about the best regions for the targeted species that you're after. Uh, quite often their information is a little hazy or it's a little bit uh, outdated uh, but or it's or it's a little bit questionable and I say that because sometimes uh, the marketing department has more sway than the biology department in some of those um, uh, agencies so see what they have to say about best regions and things like that um, some of those folks are um, well, Let's just say the science doesn't get in the way of the hyperbole, but they may have something to suggest. Now, maybe it's just to narrow down the, the, the alternative locations. You know, maybe there are, maybe they're good enough to tell you that, you know, the, the drought was so bad there, we're not, we can't close it down, but we can discourage everybody from going there. So you'll learn something again. All of this stuff goes in your notebook and will eventually come to fruition later down the road. You got a, 
a hunting atlas in most states. Um, they'll send it to you by hard copy. You can get one when you arrive there, or you can get an online or a mobile version of that in many cases, and that is golden for you. I always carry the hard copy with me as well because there are times when you may not have a cell phone signal, you may not have batteries in your cell phone. Those are the times when that hard copy comes in useful. In fact, I, I use it quite often just because it's a little bit easier to read in some cases. I I keep it on the on the center console, open to the page where I am located, and sometimes I just uh, pull over, find a blue square, point my truck in that direction and go. Other times I'll use the online or the mobile version and do the same thing. And speaking of mobile versions, whether yours is Onyx or anybody else's, remember a few things. And I've learned this the hard way. Last season it was driven home to me in particular in Northeast Oregon. Oh, by the way, I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast. So if you like it, please tell everybody else. Well, tell one person. I appreciate that. All right. So your hunting app on your phone, they're dependent on the states to provide a lot of that public access information, the borders, the ownership information, current stuff, even down to where the sign-in kiosk is if you have to do that. Unfortunately, sometimes the states aren't very timely in delivery of that data. In that case I just cited in Northeast Oregon, it was two years out of date, and the guys that we wanted to access weren't even on that map. Luckily, there were signs up that said it was open to hunt, but the map had big empty spots. Nothing there would have told you that it was open to hunt. Luckily, I stopped and talked with a trapper who told me, yeah, that's my place. Follow me back and I'll show you where the best access is. You can park in my farmyard. By the way, thank you. And thank you, Felton, as well, in that case, for showing me that spot. So check all that. Make sure it's up to date. If it's not, then uh, find another source to, uh, you know, uh, uh, balance the somewhat suspect public access data from your state. Before I get there, I'm also looking at um, chambers of commerce, visitors associations. Uh, they almost always have something to offer, and sometimes they are the clearinghouse for uh, local farmers and ranchers who have said, yeah, come on down. Okay, sometimes it'll cost you 50 bucks or something, but most of the time it's free, and they have that list. So check in with them, especially in very well-known hunting states. Conservation and dog clubs, if you're a member, check out nearby fellow members, see if they will be helpful in one way or another. Uh, friends of friends, and yes, while it does get a bad rap and decided deservedly so, social media. Now, uh, everybody kind of has their own feeling about what can be shared and not shared when it comes to access in those arenas, but you might pick up something here and there. And so if you're, um, you know, on Facebook or you're a member of a forum or two, see what you can find. Again, at least you're filling the top end of the funnel with useful, possibly useful information. And I do it and I share when I can. I'm a little bit more 
uh, careful about what I do and how I do it, but there are ways in which you can glean some sorts of useful information on public access of one sort or another if you, again, read between the lines. During the off-season, your best source may be one of the area's wildlife biologists or those who work in that office or those for who work for conservation groups of which you're a member. I've gotten great information from all of those, and sometimes it's the person who answers the phone at the wildlife agency's office in that region. Thank you again, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife for some of the most useful tips I've found. So call them up again. Be a little bit circumspect. Be a little bit uh, conscientious of their time and the season and all of that. But remember, these folks do work for you. And that's something we can't forget. Just be diplomatic about it. All right. If you're booking a hotel room or a campsite at a campground that has a host or, a, you know, a reservation system that's local, ask those people where to go. They deal with this question every day. Again, they may not have the best information. They may not be hunters. They may not have anything that's of use to you, but it never hurts to ask. Same goes for the guy pumping gas or the guy selling you a six pack at the convenience store. All those folks may or may not have something to offer just be considerate. Finally, remember that you kill birds with boot leather, not ammunition. You're going to have to scout a lot. You're going to strike out a lot. And once in a while, you're going to score. And that's the lesson to be learned. We got plenty more coming up on the Upland Nation podcast. I'm going to clear my throat. I'm going to get a little bit of water. We'll talk about the 10 essentials that must be in your hunting vest at all times when you can't see your truck. We'll also have the Upland Nation puzzler and the prize that goes along with it in just a moment, so stick around. Welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast. I've got uh, a little bit of news to talk, uh, more, I guess I'll call them history lessons uh, of interest to hunting dog owners, uh, if for no other reason than campfire conversation later this season. So stick around for that as well. But first, a quick word from happyjackinc.com. Manning and Joe Exum are running the show over there these days in uh, Snow Hill, North Carolina, and they've got it figured out. This is the time of season when fleas become an issue. Your dog is going to new places, meeting new dogs. Fleas are a problem. Take a look at happyjackinc.com for all the solutions to your dog's flea problems, whether it's a spray, and I love their DD33. I put it on every time I'm in flea country. It has a short shelf life, so you don't have to worry about it, you know, the next day or the next day or the next day. You just put it on when you need it. It's not there after that. But the most important aspect of that is their flea beacon. This is a little non-toxic gizmo. You put it down in the kennel or you put it down in the living room. Wherever you're having a flea issue, the fleas just 
hop up toward the light in this little thing, and then they fall down on a little sticky tray. You just replace the sticky part of the tray. The flea beacon is your solution. Well, all year, all season, however you're needing flea problem solutions, it's all there. Learn more at happyjackinc.com. And just got off the phone with Elisa over at Rough Land Kennels, R-U-F-F Land Kennels.com, talking about my next purchase from them. And I think it'll be yet another water carrier. I just laid mine in for the season. It's it's kind of a big storage tray. Uh, let me describe it real quick because they've got a whole bunch of components that you can stack and lay on top of your travel crates make your life just a little bit simpler and easier this one is it's it's about three feet long and about two feet wide it's a storage tray but the edges of the tray if you will are a water tank holds about three gallons all told and that's plenty good for most hunts you can refill it pretty simply you can leave it in your truck and use it every hunt just keep it topped off because your dog needs as much water or more water than you do. Learn more about all the accessories and the multiple colors that a lot of the Roughland Kennels are available in at RoughlandKennels.com. Yeah, don't leave home without it. It's more than just a cliche from what was it, an American Express ad a while back? I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit obsessed with all this. It was my kind of my my thing in 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 the Boy Scouts when I was an assistant scout master, and I I've never gotten away from it. And the reason is it comes in handy. You may not need your survival kit if you want to call it that, for uh, surviving. But something in there will come in handy every season. Make sure you're carrying it with you for your dog's sake and for your own sake. Now, just a caveat. Told you there'd be more. I also carry another medical kit just for my dog. I could use it on me, too, if I needed to, I guess. But... This is not that stuff. This is a whole bunch of other stuff that, well, I tell my wife this. When I'm on a three-day chucker hunt, if I fall and break my leg, I can probably survive anywhere for a couple days just with this. And hopefully between then and now, I can hit the button on my spot locator, or in your case, maybe you have one of those Garmin inReach gizmos. And you should always look into that as well, by the way. Um, somebody will come and find me. All right, so let's get on to the list. Let's start with the staff of life. Yeah, water is what we, we're made of. Hey, we're made of it. So uh, shouldn't we carry plenty? Yes, we should for all the usual reasons. But if you want to survive more than a few days, you better have some water, a way to carry it, and a way to purify more. Sometimes purification requires a fire. Sometimes it doesn't. I carry a, one of my water bottles has a filter on it, so I can always 
dip in the scummiest water from that stock tank or anywhere else. And hopefully that filter will catch all the bad stuff in it and I can drink it from there. So can my dog. There are water purification tablets. There's the um, straw you can use. There's a straw version that goes in your water bottle. And then, of course, like I said, if you got the right gear, you can purify more with a fire. Boil it for 10 minutes and then, well, cool it off and drink it. I like um, the 21st century version of a Boda. You know, you know what a wineskin looks like. Well, there are plastic versions of that, slightly different shape, but um, they have a little squirt uh, nozzle at the end. That way there's little waste. You can squirt it into your mouth and you can squirt it into your dog's mouth. Carry water. And, oh, by the way, did I tell you? Carry water. Yeah, critical. And old school is my school. I'm an alumni of it. And uh, so I always carry a compass and a map, and I hope I still remember how to use them both. Someday, you're going to lose your phone, the batteries are going to crap out on you, your GPS unit, if you have one, whether it's in your dog collar control or anywhere else, you're not going to find a satellite signal. Even the most basic map and compass skills will be... um, well, they could be a lifesaver, or they could get you back to the camp in time for happy hour and without an embarrassing uh, explanation to the rest of your friends who are already there on their second beer. It, it, I'll tell you a funny story. Back when GPS was new to the outdoor world, I was doing a lot of um, uh, talks at sportsman shows and uh, and so one of the talks I gave was, hey, look at this new gadget I'm holding in my hand. It'll tell you which way is north, and it'll do this, and it'll help you find your truck and all of this. And I was working with prototypes. Garmin was sending me stuff. So I, I was working with, you know, brand new stuff. And it was, it was, man, the cat's meow, except when the batteries went dead. Or back then, except when it rained really hard. Or there was a mountain in the way, still true. So I would start that conversation with my sports show audience by throwing a compass out into the audience and asking somebody to use it and show me which direction was north. Believe it or not, half the time they would show me some other direction. So learn a little bit about your map and compass. And if the map is gigantic, and some of them are, those Forest Service guys, BLM guys, they make these maps. You could sleep under one of them. They're so big. Make a copy of the part you need and just carry that. If nothing else, learn how to find a catch line so you can get way back, get back to camp, to your truck or whatever, using a road or ridge, a piece of water or something like that. Learn, well, Google catch line and orienteering and you'll you'll know what I mean. But bring yourself a map and a compass and learn a little bit how to use them. Yep, um, fire has so many uses uh, in the outdoors from keeping you warm, of course, to signaling to uh, the helicopter you hope is going to land and take you home. So you need some ways to start it. I carry a couple. I always have waterproof matches in a waterproof container. And then I have something else. Now, there are great fire starters of all sorts. Uh, you know, some of the former cigarette lighter types are pretty good. The butane versions won't function in really cold weather. So 
eh, what's the point? I also carry, I don't even know if they make it anymore, but Gerber used to make a little, you know, in the old days it was a flint and steel. Now it's got some chemical stuff on it and you can scrape it out. I think it's magnesium. You scrape a little bit of it all off. You put it, use it as tinder and then you spark onto that and whoo, does it burn even underwater. So, um, carry a couple ways to light a fire and, um, learn again, learn how to use them. Uh, you know, I challenge you go out right now and in 15 minutes, find tinder, find kindling, find fuel wood and figure out how to light that fire. If you haven't done it in a while, you might be surprised. That's one of those great skills you can teach your kids in the backyard. Protect yourself from the elements as well. Yeah, hopefully you, you're dressed correctly for the place, but you know, the problem is that may be correct for the day, but when it gets uh, down below freezing that night or it starts snowing or raining, all of a sudden, ah, the greatest, uh, what is that? Uh, um, greatest plans of mice and men sort of thing. It's absolutely true. So protect yourself, bring a space blanket, even a plastic garbage bag puts that impermeable impermeable i think it's impermeable barrier between the weather and you especially moisture you know you get wet it just wicks the warmth right out of your body and that's where hypothermia starts that'll kill you before almost everything else so keep your body heat in with some sort of uh, saran wrap aluminum foil type covering good luck on that easy to carry no one's going to criticize it. And some of those plastic garbage bags, if you ask nicely, in some places you can get a blaze orange version of it. We had a great time with those in Boy Scouts back in the day. You ever done that? Here's a, here's a fun one for you, especially for kids, because it fits them just perfectly. You cut a little hole in the, the bottom of the a bag, uh, so you can put your head through it, and then you cut little holes in both edges put your arms out I know it's almost a Halloween costume um, <laughs> okay enough about that you're listening to the Upland Nation podcast <clears throat> I'm Scott Linden looking for the rest of my vocal cords excuse me just a moment there we go thank you again we're halfway through the 10 essentials or thereabouts now Yes, a cell phone, I guess, counts as a signaling device. Until you're out of cell phone range or the um, battery goes dead or you um, drop it in a crevasse. So bring a couple other things. I like a whistle. If you're a bird hunter and you're out there hunting birds, you probably have one already. It works great. It sure works better than screaming for help save your vocal cords you might have to do a podcast someday and you don't want to sound like i do today so bring another way to make noise whistle is a handy one aluminum foil i know old school again but aluminum foil will carry water you can cook with it and it also serves as a signal mirror yeah, just fold up in, you know, a two-by-two two square of it and find uses for it. It's also reusable, so <laughs> don't throw it away. 
keep that aluminum foil handy. I remember the first multi-tool that Tim Leatherman gave me. If you haven't got one yet, go get one before hunting season. You can pull porcupine quills. You can do some repairs of any sort to almost anything. And when your dog wraps himself around a strand of barbed wire, it's one way to get him out again. I've used it for those and all sorts of other purposes over the years, and you will too. Learn how to use all the stuff in your multi-tool. You don't want to be experimenting when your dog is whimpering with a face full of porcupine quills. So get a multi-tool and learn how to use it. Well, it has a light side and a dark side, but uh, may the force be with you if you use duct tape for all things good. It'll bandage a wound. It makes an emergency dog boot. It repairs all that stuff that needs repairing. I've even made a dog leash out of it in a, in a pinch. Hang on to your duct tape. Don't bring the whole roll. I mean, now we're talking about getting stuff too big. And in fact, let me just suggest if your survival kit is too big, you're not going to carry it. You might think it's heavy. It's not. <clears throat> you might think it's bulky. It won't be if you're careful about it. One way to do that is roll about, oh, five or eight feet of duct tape from the roll onto, oh, your water bottle or a stub of pencil or something else that is going to be handy and available to you all the time. Duct tape. Parachute cord, some sort of rope, but the lighter and the stronger, the better. Always useful. Just came across mine, adding another bunch of it right now just keeping it fresh it'll make a boot lace or a dog leash it'll lash a shelter pole together if you need it in a pinch you can even tease out the inner threads and make a little fishing line and let me just editorialize a little bit i guess this would be a sidebar on all of this sort of survival stuff yeah you know hopefully you're going to be found within a few days the only reason to worry about food within a few days is for moral support It'll keep up your morale if you're eating a little bit here and a little bit there, but going fishing to keep yourself fed uh, within most survival situations, it's a bit much. So is bringing all sorts of survival food. But, you know, a few hard candies. I like bullion cubes, um, again, with my aluminum foil. It works really handy. And a few other things if you like. Uh, you know, don't go overboard. Use that space for the stuff that's actually going to keep you alive. You're not going to starve to death in a few. In fact, most of us, hey, enough about me. Most of us could stand to lose a few pounds anyway. Just stay hydrated. Okay, I mentioned it once more, but I'll mention it again. Uh, you got a fire starter? Bring another fire starter. <laughs> okay, uh, and just a few tips uh, before we close out this week's uh, 10 Essentials segment. A buddy and I counted five grouse mountains or grouse valleys that we've hunted in over the years. So if you're going to tell somebody where you're going, and you should, uh, be a little bit more specific so that when they are starting to look for you, they can narrow it down to the right grouse mountain. Tell them where you're going. Mark it on a map and leave a copy of that map with them. Charge your cell phone battery. And please... 
This happens every year. I've made a study of it. There's always somebody out there. If you're going up into the hills and you encounter snow drifts on the road, don't buck your way through them. They'll only get worse the farther uphill you go. I know this sounds like common sense, and it is. But as the saying goes, common sense is not that common anymore. So please, please think of yourself, think of your family, think of your dog and all the other folks who count on you and that you count on. I want you to come back safely after every incredible bird hunt you go on. So thanks for listening. Appreciate your patience. I got a lot more to talk about. I told you. I got a history lesson, I got a prize, just for answering a simple question. If you don't, if you don't know the answer to this, boy oh boy, you need to get out from under your rock. It's all coming up in just a moment. First off, thank you to Dr. Tim Hunt, Dr. Tim's natural performance dog food, been a longtime sponsor of the Upland Nation podcast. Flick gets his momentum formula, 35% uh, protein, 25% fat, and man, he does every, the veterinarian's receptionist said last week, that is a good looking dog. And she's not even a bird hunter, but she noticed it. This guy is in shape, and I thank you, Dr. Tim Hunt, for the formulation. Let me just suggest that if you are looking for a new dog food, you take a look at drtims.com. Tim has outlined all of the reasons you need to shop a little bit more carefully for your dog's food, especially if you need a dog that's going to come through in the clutch the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth day of a long hunt. One word of warning. Artificial colors? No, 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 no. If they're if you're looking at the ingredient list and you see a color with a number after it, run fast. Run away as fast as possible. Go to drtims.com, use the code Upland Nation and get 30% off your first order delivered right to your door. drtims.com. I don't know about you, but I just love having something to think about while I'm poking around in the wheat stubble or the grouse woods. I love history too. I'd rather watch something on the History Channel than anything on ESPN. Here's a few things you might use the next time you're huddled around a campfire or bellying up to the bar, just in case. I'll call this one, the more things change, the more they stay the same. New research suggests that ancient humans valued their dogs so highly they traded them between isolated communities, or at least interbred them, depending on their needs for each of the types of dogs. They were doing this, at least the science says they were doing this in uh, the Russian steppes thousands of years ago we're still doing it today now these days the pedigrees are on paper or electronic paper but back then i bet they had some etched in stone on the cave wall versions of the same thing and you can imagine some of those cave dwellers were bragging on their dogs even then all right, and in, this, in the pheasant capital of the world, South Dakota, 
whether it's working or not is still to be determined, but it, somebody's making money on it and somebody's paying for that. They've got what they call the Nest Predator Bounty Program, of course, to protect their pheasant population, whether it's working or not. They won't tell us. The program's cost two and a quarter million dollars already. They give a $10 bill to each animal, each person who brings in an animal tail, raccoons and other animals that eat eggs and hatchlings of pheasants and ducks. So if you're a kid with nothing to do in the fall around there, that might be worth a look. If they ever let go of their pheasant population estimates again, we might know whether it's paying off. Until then, it's a heck of a part-time job for some kids in South Dakota. All right, so I promised you the Upland Nation puzzler. That's a mouthful. If you're interested in winning a peat boot dryer, and if you don't know what it is, man, you are missing out. Peat boot dryer for every night of every hunt. Then message me on Facebook with your answer to this question. It's simple. What organization is known by the initials PF? I'll pick one of you at random at the end of October and I'll award that Pete boot dryer to you. Send it right on over just in time for the colder part of the season. Okay. So with that in mind, I think we're going to, well, no, I'm going to remind you, check out my website page, findbirdhuntingspots.com. New material every week. This week, a ruffed grouse primer including some places where you might want to start your hunt and a little bit about the timber doodle as well. But if you're looking at getting involved in rough grouse hunting, or if you're an old season pro and you're just looking for some new ideas, check it all out at findbirdhuntingspots.com. And then please tell your friends about the Upland Nation podcast. That's how we grow around here and we're growing fast. So thank you for doing it. And I appreciate your doing it again. I'll leave you with this. A quote from John Grogan, the author. Maybe you can relate. Dogs are great. Bad dogs, if you can really call them that, are perhaps the greatest of all. You can always listen at UplandNation.com. We talk every day at the Facebook pages. Thanks to those who left a rating or a review, including V82NV. How do you pronounce that? I'm Scott Linden, your host. See you on the road.